Welcome to the Body Grievers Club. This is a podcast aimed to help those who are struggling to make peace with their here and now bodies. I'm your host, Bree, a fat positive body image educator and coach. My goal is to help you feel less alone in your body grief. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of body image, body grief, as you find your way home to your body. Welcome to the club. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I'm so honored to work through some of your body image hurdles with you today. So why don't you tell me what would you identify as your biggest hurdles to making peace with your body right now? I would say my biggest hurdle is it's either between the support of my spouse or how I feel in my bigger body. I mean, I manage without the support. So I would say my, my block, just accepting my body for what it is. Can you say more things about that? I have to say I've had a Peloton bike and I've recently been finding my way back to joyful movement, what that means to me. And (laughs) I got so frustrated with my body in the beginning uh, when getting on the bike. It was like a workout before a workout, clicking in and getting situated on the bike and then just making it to where I could even start the program. I couldn't see my feet to click in. It made me so mad uh, and annoyed. Mm. And then um, recently in my rides, I I joined a plus size Peloton group on Facebook and that's been very helpful. But on my rides, um, I no longer need to see my feet to click in. Thankfully, I've got that, I guess, muscle memory, you could say. Um, but my seat is inching down in my rides and I swear I have it tightened all the way. And that's honestly making me feel like I'm too fat for my bike and their weight limit is 297 and I am beyond that weight limit. But in my plus size Peloton group, they tell me that even if you are, your seat should not be doing that. So that was comforting to find out because here I was thinking I'm just so fat that I'm making my my seat go down. But I told myself I'm enjoying my ride. You know, I have a good time. I feel good after it. So I just keep doing it. But by the end of my ride, my knees are in my stomach and in my chest. And I will say when I'm on the bike, um, even when I'm in the proper position and the seat has not inched down, my stomach gets in the way. My knees want to turn outward and you're supposed to keep your knees forward. And I think the reason my knees want to turn outward is because of where my stomach sits. So that's frustrating. Yeah, it all sounds very frustrating. What would you say is the most frustrating part about that experience? I would say... I guess a little bit of the mental impact it has on me, it just makes me feel like I'm too fat for it. And I know that's not the truth, but that's where my brain goes. 
Yeah. And, and I think that makes sense that that's where your brain goes because even the Peloton bike is telling you that by putting a weight limit on it. And so, which, <laughs> what an arbitrary number, by the way, like, <laughs> how did they decide we're going to measure this, this weight, um, <laughs> which is all weight limits actually are, is just how much they decided to test it against. So it doesn't mean that you can't use it if you're right in a, in a different size. It just hasn't been tested for a larger body size, which as we can see, ridiculous because they easily could, and they could easily identify who else could use this bike. But I, I have to say, I, it almost seems like with the Peloton bike, there's very much a culture of exclusivity, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's why I was so excited to be a part of this culture. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Fitness people, this will motivate me to lose weight. This was why I had originally bought the bike. And it was before I started working with a nutrition therapist. Mm. You wanted to be a part of that, that culture yes. uh, until you started working with your dietitian. Yes. Tell me about that. Well, um, part, part of that came because when I got the bike, um, the seat hurt my butt so much. I was like, maybe I'm not meant for this. You know, I've only ever seen skinny people do this. But then I was, as I was working with my nutrition therapist, I got my bike in November. Um, but I didn't start riding it until about two weeks ago, really. I mean, I tried it once and I said, no, this hurts my butt too bad. I'm too fat. This isn't for me. Um, but then my nutrition therapist and I, we were trying to find movement that brings me joy. Well, that movement is swimming. I love swimming, but I don't have a pool. I mean, I know I'm in Texas, but I don't have a pool. <laughs> and it was winter when we, when we were starting this journey. And so then I kept saying, well, I love running. I like running, but my body's not in shape to run. So then we were like, well, I know what I had to do before was I started walking to get to that point of running. I was going to the gym. It started three days a week and then turned into five days a week. And then I got bored walking and I thought it was too slow. So then it turned into a jog and then a jog turned into a run. And I keep thinking that that's what I want to do, but I had no desire to go walking. Like that just was not exciting to me. Even the thought of taking my kids for a walk. I know, great, do it for the kids. No. <laughs> you do enough for um, your kids. <laughs> right? I do. I do a lot for my kids. And then here's this bike that we spent all this money on. and It's just collecting dust. Part of me started using it because... I spent money on this bike. It's hella expensive. Um, it's like almost kind of a status symbol. Oh, you have a Peloton? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I have a Peloton, but it collects dust. W uh, would you say that, that, that not using the bike also brings you shame? 
A little bit, but it didn't bother me too much. It's definitely something like a little voice in the back of my head, you could say. Mm. What did the um, little voice say? You need to use your bike. You spent all this money on it. Your husband bought it for you to lose weight. Mm. What triggered him to purchase it was he went to the doctor and he had high blood pressure and he has ADHD and his doctor couldn't prescribe him medicine because his blood pressure was too high and he refuses to see a doctor. (laughs) He was doing good just to get to the psychiatrist. So he said, I had been asking him about the bike. I took one spin class before the pandemic hit with a friend and it was so hard. I couldn't, I would have probably have gotten off the bike earlier had I been able to click out of it, but I had to have them help me click in it. So I suffered (laughs) for 45 minutes (laughs) with my friend before the pandemic hit. And I thought, okay, I did this. So therefore I, I mean, I see all my friends getting a Peloton bike. This would be a great way to connect with my friends and, you know, get some exercise. So I had been asking him, and he said no. But then finally, he went to the psychiatrist and had the high blood pressure and was like, yeah, okay, we're getting the bike, but this is for you so you can lose weight. I was just like, okay, <laughs> I've been asking for this anyway. Mm. And so out of almost a fear response from having gone to the doctor, getting concerning news, right, mm-hmm. with the high blood pressure, with struggling with ADHD, whatever else, that motivated your partner to get this very expensive, very exclusive bike. Yes. I'm going to start the sentence and I want you to finish it for me. If I do not use this very expensive bike, then what? Then I will sell it on Facebook. Well, so that's a great reframe, right? But yeah, um, right. But like, <laughs> what's the little voice say to you? Then I will I... get fatter. Ah, <laughs> yeah. And and what what comes up for you as you say that? I don't want to get fatter. It's hard enough. Um, I've all my life I've struggled with clothes, finding clothes for my larger body. And used to, it was like in high school for me. I'm 30, 31. <laughs> like, how old am I? <laughs> 31. Um, I was born in 90. In high school, I was so excited when my hometown got a Lane Bryant because mm-hmm. Catherine's and Walmart plus size clothes was like grandma clothes. Mm-hmm. I remember when I sized out of American Eagle jeans. And I had to go online to buy a size 18. That was, that was such a shitty feeling. And I only wish I were as fat as I was then, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I thought then, I was fat then, but man. Right. And, and then we, we wish we could go back and appreciate that body, which mm-hmm. if, exactly. it tells, if it tells you anything it actually has nothing to do with the body and the mindset instead. It has everything to do with the mindset. Yeah. This this fear of getting fatter and not being able to find clothes. 
I think this is so poignant and I think it's something a lot of people struggle with because there is a concern that what happens when clothes don't fit my body anymore? I think honestly, now we're really getting to what I think is the big hurdle. Yeah. Say more. Um, I, I guess you could say not fitting into society's bo- size box. Yep. Um, in my, in my van, I notice every day how close my stomach is to my steering wheel, even with it, um, pushed all the way back. And I never thought I would be thinking this, but a goal we have is we want another vehicle, specifically a Tesla. That's something we're working towards. And I'm like, am I going to fit in this vehicle? I know you can buy seatbelt extenders, but I just all my life, you know, from clothes, from jeans to swimsuits to now it's fitting in my van. I mean... We, we got our second COVID shot and we thought we might try eating out and in a public space. And they tried to take me to a booth <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't think I fit here. And it wasn't a good feeling. Tell me more about that feeling. I felt like I didn't belong. I know when it's happened to me, I, I feel like I felt that like heat in my chest of the, I call it like an oh shit moment. I'm like, oh shit. Like Mm -hmm. this is embarrassing. This is humiliating. I definitely felt degraded. I surprisingly laughed it off. I think I laughed it off as a way to deal with the uncomfortableness, you know? Of course. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? (laughs) And then um, they moved us to a table that we were sitting at the, their, I guess, counter, no, bar stools, their bar stools. And that was hard to get in and sit in too because of my size. In fact, my, my husband made a comment to me. We ended up leaving. We didn't stay and eat. Um, but when we got to the car, I don't exactly remember exactly what he said, but to me, it sounded like, We need to find a place where you can fit. (laughs) Mm. And then I made the comment, well, I think you're about the same size as me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not Mm. the only one here that's in a larger body. Let's find a place where we can both fit. Right. Do you feel comfortable unpacking a little bit around the stuff with your partner? Is that something you want to do? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. So... I know, I know when we started, that seemed to be like the first hurdle that you identified. And you said, you know, I know that he's still sexually attracted to me, but you definitely sense his own internalized fat phobia. Tell me how that that impacts your relationship as a couple. I think sometimes it triggers fights, honestly, because I feel like he's criticizing me I don't know sometimes it feels mentally abusive I know it's not intentional now I know before it felt intentional Um, it's just something he's internalized and I'll say this to you of 
it's probably way more about him than it ever is about you. It doesn't mean it hurts any less. Right. When did that shift happen for you? When did you, when were you able to stop internalizing it and realizing, oh, this is like, this hurts, but it's not a, it's not about me. I still sometimes feel it's about me. I go back and forth, but like I I have to do the self-talk and say, don't take this so personal. I've been in therapy with a counselor for a very long time off and on. Um, But since I moved back to my hometown this past summer, that's something that I have been working on is not being so reactive to him because I can't control him. I can control my thoughts. Hopefully I can control my thoughts. At least I'm trying to. And how I, how I behave. Right. So you, you have the ability and the autonomy to, you feel however you feel, right? Like I I love when people say, don't feel that way. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) That's if I could do that, then I wouldn't. Okay, cool. Done. (laughs) Right. But uh, I think, if you can understand the story that's playing out in your head, yes, it'll change the way you respond. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So okay. the other day, yesterday, I'm sitting with my brother and I said something and he goes, you're just like mom. And I lost it. I was like, stop telling me I'm like my mother. <laughs> and he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, what did you mean by it? He was like, oh, it's just like a silly thing that mom does. And in my mind, all of the negative qualities about our mother. That's what I thought he was saying that I am. So there was a story in my head playing out that that's what he was accusing me of, but that wasn't reality. Right. But because I was able to identify that I felt that way, tell him what I needed. And then I was like, Oh, I overreacted. Like that was definitely about me. Now I will tell you, there are going to be instances where that might not be true, that a person is being critical or rude or hurtful or, you know, and it can feel abusive and it's not because there's a story. It's because it's actually playing out. I can tell you right now, I can't tell based off of just, you know, one call and only talking to you and not, and not speaking to your partner. What I will say is that if he also resides in a larger body, I imagine mm-hmm. that he has his own level of internalized fat phobia. I, I, Definitely. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and go out on a limb and say that's probably what's happening here. And that especially if he does find you attractive and he still loves you, then there is a piece of this that in is intended to be motivated from self-love or from love. Yes. But the delivery sucks. <laughs> Definitely. The delivery is not helpful at all. And I think he's wrong, right? I don't think, so even going back to high blood pressure, I'm somebody who also, I, I self-identify with struggling with ADHD. And I can't go on medication because I have anxiety. Because ADHD medication is a stimulant. And I yeah. already struggle with anxiety. I don't think, oh, well, I need to exercise so that I can not have anxiety so that I can take ADHD medication. I know, Mm -hmm. ah, 
this is a limitation that I have, that I am going to have a hard time focusing and I also have anxiety. So how do I manage both? I'm curious, how, is there anything that maybe your partner says or does or criticizes you that you can just be like, oh, what? Like, you know, like, okay, sounds good. Like, you know, it's completely about them and not about you, but they still bring it up. So I can give you an example if you need. I ended up hiring a cleaning lady because I live with my dad and my brother and boys are gross and I am not a cleaning lady and I refuse to clean after two boys. I'm like, no, no, no like, unless, unless I have a husband, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, um, and my dad, like my dad is convinced that this, the, the cleaning lady is stealing from us. And I'm like, dad, like, and she's not like, he's like, well, she moved this. And I was like, okay, you clearly have feelings because of past experiences. And I can see it. I can laugh about it. I can try and honor and respect him in the best way that I can. And also be like, mm, yeah, I'm still having a cleaning lady because this is what I need for my mental health. I don't take it personally. So is there anything like that with your partner that you can, you can totally separate out of like, yeah, we just, we just do not see eye to eye. Agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. My, my therapy. Ooh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Say more. Uh, As I had mentioned earlier, I, I do see a counselor. I see a psychiatrist. And then I started the nutritional therapy with the dietitian at side by side nutrition. Um, he, he thinks that's a waste of money that why can't I just learn these things on my own and do it? So, so here's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> do you ever have a problem in your house? Like whether it be like electrical or plumbing or someone, and you're like, we need to hire someone. And your husband's like, I got it. I could do it myself. That's him. And he can, he can breathe. He, he goes and watches a YouTube video and then does it. Okay. Okay. And how long does it take him to do that? It could take him anywhere from 15 minutes to a few months. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And (laughs) how, like, if it was an issue that like, I don't know, let's say like a a pipe broke and your house is flooding are you going to say, let's watch a YouTube video and see if we can figure it out ourselves? <laughs> no, we're going to say, let's, we need a plumber. We're going to say we need a plumber. That's the same. It's the same thing with therapy. Sure. You could learn all of these things yourself, but is there space and ability to do that? My dad thinks having a cleaning lady is a waste of money. I see it as an investment in my mental health and an opportunity to invest in a person who this is their livelihood. And I, I pay her very well. She's amazing. Like she's now, like I consider her, you know, a, like a friend of our family. Mm-hmm. My dad and I are never going to agree that my approach is the right way. Yeah. But I don't care. Yeah. I'm almost to that point. I still just keep doing me. Yes. And so again, could you get all of this information and do it yourself? Sure. But Perfect. why not? But why not pay the people who've gone to school for this to help you get there faster? Exactly. 
Yeah. I've been struggling all my life and I mean, you already struggle in therapy, so I'd rather struggle quicker than longer. But that's, and that's just it is, and maybe that doesn't make sense to your husband, Yeah, but it's, it's a value. It's a different value set of why are we going to spend, why are we going to waste money on this? Whereas I see it as an investment in money. It's an investment into your mental health. And yes, you could read all the books and listen to all the free podcasts and what, what will happen? Maybe you'll experience a shift. Maybe you won't. It I also, hit a wall. I tell did me. do that. I, I read the fuck it diet. I read the anti-diet. I read intuitive eating. And I followed a whole bunch of different people on Instagram that were fat. I started, I stopped um, following all these fitness people. I unfollowed them. Um. I found some podcast, but then I still needed more. I hit a wall. I didn't know where to go from there. I um, couldn't implement a plan myself to heal my relationship with food and with my body. I needed a professional. And that's and that's the value set of I want to invest in this more than I want to struggle with this. Yes. Or figure this out myself. <laughs> yes. I'm tired of tr- trying to figure things out myself. And, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, something's wrong with the toilet. There is a YouTube video for that, but you, <laughs> toilets are pretty much universal. Whereas each person is individual. Each person has their own genetic makeup epigenetics, like trauma from your life before you were even born, your own individual trauma and experiences. Everybody has a different lived experience that even if you were to find a video that you could Google, it doesn't mean that it would be specific to you. Like this, today is tailored specifically to you. Right. I can't change your husband. Um, I, I even in, can I. <laughs> I when tried. I, when I tell when I would like meet with like I, I would I was I was doing couple therapy a long time ago, and I would be like, please don't come here thinking that I will help change your partner because if you can't do it, there's no way I can do it. So we're not in the business of changing people. No. How do you continue, how do you continue with your journey into healing while also living and existing and coexisting with your partner when you clearly have different values around money and help and and all of these different things, which is clearly what it sounds like is a value difference. Well, he has no problem with me using our insurance. So I try to maximize our insurance. Our insurance is great for the insurance we have. So I try to find therapists that are in our network. Um, I really just got lucky with side-by-side nutrition. When I was actually listening to a podcast from the Fuck It Diet, and they had brought up side-by-side nutrition and that they accepted 
insurance and they're based out of Colorado. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I'm so thankful the pandemic hit with all this teletherapy stuff because it allowed me to see someone in Colorado because here in Texas, it's really hard to find someone who accepts your insurance and is a nutrition therapist. I mean, there's plenty of registered dietitians, but who who's a part of the Hayes community? You know, that body positive movement, who's anti-diet. So one of his boxes is using our insurance. So I check that box as much mm-hmm. as I can. If they're, they don't take insurance, I I know I can get a super bill and my insurance pays like 70%. Mm -hmm. So it would, it would be out of pocket at first. So I know I could maybe pitch it that way if Mm -hmm. I needed to, but otherwise I just say, this is what I need and this is what I'm doing. And in that way, he is supportive. He's like, okay, if this is what you need, sure. He may not agree with it. Right. He may, he may give me a hard time about it, but I then do it. <laughs> and that's, and that's too of like, yeah, like he, he might never see the benefit in the same way. So I had a, a graduate school professor who uh, he defined emotional capacity in, in terms of cup sizes. <laughs> and okay. he said, you know, if you have a two ounce glass, he said, clearly that two ounce glass doesn't need a lot, doesn't have a lot to give. He said a 16 ounce glass, they have a lot to give and they need a lot to be filled up. So if a two ounce glass and a 16 ounce glass love each other, the two ounce is going to give everything they can to the 16 ounce glass. And the 16 ounce glass is going to give everything the two ounce glass and the two ounce glass is going to be like, whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't need that much. And what's going to happen in 16-ounce glass? It's not going to feel like enough. And so I, I see you shaking your head. Does this does this resonate with you? I definitely feel like the 16-ounce glass. I, most most of the women that I work with do and are 16-ounce glasses, and then they also marry two or four ounce glasses. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it might be like two and a half to three. <laughs> and I, I can even say from personal experience, like I have thought, okay, well, they just don't love me. Mm-hmm. Right? It can feel that way. Right. But now I can look at it and be like, they're loving me as much as they can. There's exactly. just, there's nothing else there. And so how, how does then one get their needs met? Well, you have to find other ways to meet your needs. And furthermore, I would argue, can you meet some of your own needs? I'm really into Enneagrams. Are you familiar with Enneagram? Kind of. I started to go down that rabbit hole, but then I had to stop because TikTok was getting me. (laughs) And then I was Googling stuff and looking at numbers. And what Enneagram did you identify with? I I don't remember. I did take a test though. (laughs) I could, I could send you one if you want. I like the eclectic energies and, and like everything comes back to motivation, which is what I really like. So I am a two. So my motivation is helping people. 
I love helping people. And like to the point where I posted that my PT gave me those flowers and there was chocolate in my flowers, which is so sweet of him. And then my brother is looking through the thing. He goes, oh, he's like, can I have this dark chocolate? And I was like, I want that dark chocolate. And the two in me wants to give it to him because mm-hmm. he it because I want to help him. And so I ended up telling my brother, no, I was like, no, he was like, okay. And I was like, I feel bad. He's like, don't feel bad. I was like, but you asked for it. And he's like, but you want it also. And that's, it's a lot of unlearning that I am like, oh, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to need a therapist to help me unlearn all of these patterns that I have adapted since I was a kid. So if you think about it this way, if the first time I remember people pleasing was five, right? And now I'm 30. (laughs) That's 25 years of having a skill, knowing it works, and now trying to unlearn that skill of 25 years. Mm -hmm. So sure, I could Google and read books and I could do that, but I want to expedite the process. I want to get there faster and quicker and I want to understand more. And so that's why I choose to bring in a professional. Same here. Which is, yeah, it sounds like that's that's the value that you hold. Now, again, you're 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 married and you have a partner, so um you can't just be like, screw you, I'm gonna spend money on what I want. Um yes. I wonder too, how do you like position yourself? Like, how do you, how do you make a case for yourself if something is outside <laughs> of insurance or, or whatnot? Um, I try to use as much logic as I can because that's what sells him. Not, not feelings and emotions. He has a hard time relating to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might try the, the analogy that we just used of like you prefer to like Google and do it yourself. I prefer to pay someone to do that because yeah. it does it two things. It expedites the process. It makes it much faster. And I get to invest in somebody else. That's my favorite part of, I get to bless your business and your strong suit so that you can help me. And then I can help someone else do that. So I brought somebody in also to help me organize. We actually ended up doing some bartering. So I did some one-on-one with her. She helped me organize my space. And I was like, I can't get organized. And it's because I'm so busy organizing people's thoughts and emotions that I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to organize my space too. <laughs> Definitely. So um, so I think it, it does come back to setting um, boundaries. And I'm curious what, what that would look like with you and your with your relationship. Um, just walk on me. I'm carpet. (laughs) Boundaries are not my strong suit. Mm. What can I do to make you happy? (laughs) Very much a people pleaser. Um, to the point where I over, I run myself down and then I basically, I freak out. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll snap and I'll be like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Or I'll just get to the point where I I don't verbalize that, but I'm just angry. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because you've gone from 
So if you if you've gone from uh, like a hypo arousal state of just like it's fine, like I don't need to do it, it's fine, I don't, I don't, whatever you want, and then you you switch to a hyper arousal state of like no, it's bullshit, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm done, I'm done, I have nothing left. To, like it's that fight or flight response. Yeah, that happens often. Yeah, I imagine that it's hard, especially with a partner, because you're like you're like your 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 co-workers right you're doing things together and if you have also had this history of people pleasing or fawning which is also a trauma response how do you just unlearn that how do you just be like oh i'm just not gonna do that anymore i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna care what people think i'm just gonna i'm gonna take this chocolate unapologetically i still feel bad that i didn't give him the chocolate like right that that's how deep that wound runs and it's building that awareness around, Ooh, this is the time I probably would like to set a boundary. I'm just not capable at this time. Yeah. I honestly don't know how, like, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe that's not where we start. Maybe we don't start with figuring out how, but figuring out where, where, like, Oh, this is that time. <laughs> this is the time where a boundary would be helpful. I don't have one, but here it is. And and maybe maybe like maybe it doesn't start with our husband, right? Maybe it starts with like the school PTA or it starts with someone we don't care about or that like their opinion matters way less to us than our partner, our loved one. Uh and then working our way up to a loved one. That's a good point. Definitely starting smaller. <laughs> right. Like, like I always use this example, but like if, if setting a boundary with your partner is like, uh, let me rephrase that. If setting a boundary with your partner, regardless of their response or feelings, which is hard for people who are like me, who are twos, who we just want to make everybody happy. I want to make everybody happy. People pleasers is our reach and thinking of like college. That's our reach school. Our safety is, you know what? My neighbor keeps parking in front of my street or my driveway. It pisses me off. I'm going to say something or I'm going to think about saying something. And what does that look like? That is how you begin to un- unfold that process. So like even with me, when I was talking to my brother about my mom in a time prior, I might've just lost it and gone into that hyper, hyper arousal state of like, fuck you, like I can't believe you say that to me, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. But because I have enough wherewithal of like this, ooh, this activated me. This made me feel something. And I don't want to feel this way. And what you did or said caused that. It's not about his intent, but it, it activated it. So here's where I'd set a boundary. And then once I was able to do that, I was like, oh, I, I overreacted, but I overreacted because of pain, because this is a familiar wound. Definitely. So does that make sense about building that awareness around where to set the boundary? Yes. Um, I actually recently did that. I had posted on my Facebook about writing the Peloton and 
a, a woman who was like a mother figure to me in my life. We don't see each other anymore, but we're still Facebook friends. She made the comment of, I often run out of time to make food for myself or I neglect it. So I was into smoothies for a little bit because that was easy. And I had wished I had had some protein powder to add to it Mm -hmm. um, just so it felt more like a meal because I wasn't eating a meal. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, for more protein, look for low fat uh, yogurt and dairy free options. And I chose not to respond. I mean, it made me so mad. I was like, no, that's the wrong answer. But Mm. I just thought. I can't, I can't respond because I don't, my brain didn't know how to. And so I did, I set that boundary and just said, I just hit the like on, on it um, to let her know. I saw your comment. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and that is so like, how beautiful is that? That like, that was in your autonomy and maybe next time you will feel embraced to message her and say, Hey, I'm going to delete your comment because I think it's harmful and here's why. Maybe next time you just delete it. You don't explain anything. That's the autonomy of setting boundaries is your boundaries do not have to look like what anyone else says that right. they should. And you don't owe everyone an explanation. I often feel that way. Just I feel the need to defend my my actions, whether they're right or wrong, or whether I know if they're right or wrong. Right, right, right. This is why I I did what I did. And I think this, that comes from being people pleasers or people who are considerate when it hasn't been given to us. We're like, well, I would have liked an explanation. And what I do now is I think about how much energy is this going to exert? So right now this time, what felt comfortable was just liking the comment, even though it, it pissed you off and you were like, oh, that's disordered. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't have liked the comment because now she thinks it's okay. <laughs> that's where my brain goes. But yep. But I see that as this was what you were, you were autonomously able to decide what you could do in that moment. Yes. And I think, I think that's powerful. So I'm proud of you. I think that's great. So I'm curious what are we going to do with this Peloton bike? Like what, where do you want to go from here? Knowing that you want joyful movement, that you get to be a part of this community of plus size riders, that you get to use this gift that your husband bought you and it's not wasting money, (laughs) Um, but that you're also experiencing frustration and, and physical discomfort and emotional discomfort every time you ride. Yes. I receive more joy from the bike than I do discomfort. So I definitely am going to keep using it. I kind of share my stuff in hopes of that I maybe my story resonates with someone. I'm thinking of if I can figure out how to mount my phone, recording me on TikTok to doing my Peloton. Um, I think that I love TikTok. It's so much fun. I just I want other people to know they're not alone, even though it doesn't have to be my life mission to show that plus size people can ride these bikes, you know, but since it does bring me much joy, 
I am one going to message Peloton about the seat since that does seem to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to keep riding my bike and honestly, I'm, I'm hoping I get to a point where riding my bike makes me want to do other forms of movement or that I feel strong enough to, because that's really something I just have felt. I've felt myself gotten progressively weaker during the pandemic by not exercising. And um, I'm just hoping to build some stamina and endurance on the bike while enjoying the community that comes with Peloton, um, but in the plus size community. So far, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything very triggering. Some people are, of course, after the goal of weight loss, but lots of encouragement and body positivity within the group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that sounds really right for you and sounds like there's a lot of confidence in that decision. And again, this is body autonomy. So you have the right to decide. I will with permission, throw one wrench (laughs) for you to explore when you feel ready. Okay. Okay. I might explore what is the dialogue in your head about you not being strong or losing strength? And does the body you live in, even if it's quote unquote weaker, is that body still good and worthy and acceptable? And maybe at like first face value, it's like, yeah, of course. As someone who has lost all of my strength during this pandemic and realizing Mm -hmm. any movement would only be implemented as an absolution of that discomfort. I just didn't want to sit in the discomfort of having lost strength because it caused me so much shame that I allowed myself to rest and not move. And as a plus size woman, I have been working out since I was, I can't even tell you, I was always young. I mean, and before this pandemic, I was strong, or at least I thought so. And, you know, I could flip tires and could do crazy shit that now I can't even walk up a flight of stairs without feeling discomfort and pain in my body. But now I feel discomfort and pain in my body and I don't also feel shame. And so that's the part we need to pay attention to is that, when we're sitting on the Peloton bike or when we're getting in the car or when we get to a restaurant and we feel that heat in our chest or that oh shit moment, how do we help challenge ourselves to move through that moment? Definitely. I definitely feel so lost there. In fact, that's what I I have work on with my therapist and my nutrition therapist. Amazing. Amazing. Those, I mean, I would say that's a really great place to go with your therapist because it would never be anything that we cover in coaching because I imagine that that distress is deep. Definitely. It's rooted in my, probably in my childhood. Absolutely. So let, let's let's end with this. So when you started this conversation, you had no expectations. You were just like, let's go. How how do you feel now? Like, what, what are your thoughts now? I feel excited because now I have uh, stuff to work on with my nutrition therapist. 
Yay. <laughs> In the last few sessions, she's asked me, do you have any body grief? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine in my body. <laughs> no problems here. And I would say you probably do. And then you actually even yeah. hit it is the not fitting into society. And I don't that fit is, in. I mean, that's part of why I joined Peloton. I wanted something to feel mm. included about. I know. So. I know. I get you. Working and, and, on feeling like I am enough for myself. What an interesting concept too, right? Is that we, we are not, we're not born thinking like, oh, I, I belong, right? Like <laughs> we, we grow up thinking like, oh my God, I have to fit in. And the truth is, is that you, you already belong. And I know because of the amount of conversations I have on a daily basis, you're not alone. I promise you that. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for it. the opportunity, Bree. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Body Grievers Club. This podcast was made possible by my Body Grievers Club membership. If you like what you heard today, you can leave us a review and you can share this episode with all of your friends. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me, check out the link in my bio on my Instagram page at Body Image with Brie or my website at bodyimagewithbrie.com. Thank you again for being here, friends. Until next time.